Welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Ben Hunter. I'm here with fellow Booktopian Joel Naomi, and we're absolutely delighted to be sitting across from Helen Garner, who's brought in her new book, The Yellow Notebook, Diaries Volume 1. Welcome, Helen. Thank you. Um, Helen, you first started keeping a diary when you were a teenager. Is that right? I think so, yeah. And much of your very earliest diaries, you destroyed, you burnt them. Is that true? Uh, yes, but I, I well, when I went to university, naturally, I uh, I burned everything because I didn't want my mother to read what I'd <laughs> written, and I just made a huge fire in the, you know in those days you could burn things off in your backyard. Mm. This is in Geelong, and I burned everything, and that was great, and I never regretted that. But in more recent years, I've um, I've I've done another great burning, but I'm not sure if you're aware of that or if. This is going to fit with your plan for this conversation. No, well, you've intrigued me now. <laughs> but what did you burn? Some years ago, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, I was thinking about the dismissal of the Whitlam government and I thought, I wonder what I wrote in my diary around about that time. So I went and got the old box out of the laundry and looked up the date and when I found the date, I, I was quite shocked to find I hadn't even mentioned it. The dismissal, right. I mean. Right. And because um, now I wouldn't think there's anything strange about that because um, because I don't really mention much that's political <laughs> in my diaries. But it was a sort of shattering moment for my generation when the Whitlam government was dismissed. But I just hadn't mentioned it at all. And I thought, oh, what am I going to do with all this old stuff? And I started reading back in time from, from 75 and forward in time from 75 and... And I was got really embarrassed and I thought it was terrible and, you know, whingy and he'd done me wrong and that, that sort of stuff. Mm. So I thought, well, and I noticed that the diaries got more interesting around the time I went to Paris and had lived briefly in Paris. Mm. And uh, so I thought, well, I'll burn everything up until that date, which was 1978. So I made another big fire in the backyard and, and uh, I burnt the lot. Right. So you just have the interesting bit forward. Yeah. So when it got interesting, I stopped burning. It's a, <laughs> do you regret burning any of it? No. Oh, that's so no, interesting. No, I'm, I'm really happy that I burnt it. Yeah. And well, you see, see, part of it was that was the period that, was, um, that I was writing about in my first book, Monkey mm. Grip. So uh, I actually have used some of those – a lot of those diaries, that diary material in that book. But, of course, that book only covered it about a year or so. Mm. Yeah. But there was an awful lot of stuff there. Yeah, I just find that really interesting that you were able to destroy all these, all those years of material and then start the material immediately following that almost. You're now publishing. Mm. Yeah, well, of course, a lot of years have passed between the fire and, and the suggestion that I should publish my diaries. Uh, How did you react to the suggestion? Well, I, it kind of crept up on me, really. I I used um, some material from quite recent diaries. Um, I put together a, a little selection and, put, and it was published in the monthly right. just a few years ago. Mm. And then I, when I put together that collection called um, Everywhere I Look, there's three, three hunks of diary in there, which are all the fairly recent times. And um, 
And people seem to respond to them. I mean, I got a lot of really response to them. them. Yeah, me too. Well, I did too. I mean, I thought, <laughs> hey, this is quite good stuff. <laughs> I like this lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I thought it, it seemed to be about the things that um, they weren't all about me. You know, they were sort of things that happened and people that I met on public transport or uh, things that... Observations. Grandchildren. Rather had. than internal. Yeah, they didn't seem to be inward turned. And I... And and one person said in somewhere in a newspaper that she had liked these and I think she asked the rhetorical question, when are we going to get a book of the diaries? And, I, and a little sort of light went off in my head and I thought, hmm, maybe I could do that. And then, I don't know, at some stage Michael Haywood, my publisher at Text, uh, suggested, suggested it. I think that's what happened. I and, don't... and had you already burnt... Yeah, this is a long, long. This is yeah, fifteen yeah, years after before. the last. Because the burning, burning seems like it's been part of the process. Obviously, from the beginning, you burnt your um, teenage yeah. diaries, and then, I mean, even in this book, you talk about considering burning them. Yeah. Um, and you decide not to because I think the quote is something like, "You talk to your f- a friend of yours about it, and they say you'll be the same person with the same past whether you burn them or not." Yeah. Well, that's a really sensible response (laughs) but the thing is you know if you've got a lot of diaries it's very burdensome as they're burdensome as objects because they take up a lot of space they're heavy they're in you know i've got just crates of them Mm. and uh, they're all in alphabetical i mean not alphabetical chronological order um i mean when i finish one i just bung it in a box and it's got the date written on the outside but i but i sort of didn't know what see i moved house quite a lot and I've, I've lived where I'm living now is the longest I've ever lived anywhere in my whole life, and that's about t- ten years, even from childhood. I never lived that long in one place, mm. and uh, so I had all these cartons of. Um, so it's quite freeing exercise. to let go of some of it, at least. Well, I guess it is. Yeah, I don't know yet because it's not really out there yet, mm. and. Uh, what was the process like selecting and editing the entries? Well, I started out quite casually. I thought, well, I'll just have a look. I'll go back to the bits that are left from when I was in Paris in 1978 and I'll see if there's anything if there's anything there that would seem to be interesting to anyone else or might be leading leading somewhere. And I, so I just pulled one out and uh, sat down at the computer and started basically... Um, transcribing it and just tra- leaving out the boring bits you know I just picked out the bits that were interesting or funny or you know I thought were bearable because there's a lot of stuff in a diary that's not bearable you know you didn't wouldn't want anyone to look at it because it's just stupid and embarrassing mm. but um and then after a while I thought oh it's actually quite you know when I stripped all the crap off the outside of it I, I mean there did seem to be a thread of consciousness going through it that was not not embarrassing, and uh, mm. I thought I'd just follow that. But then I realised I was going to have to become more um, systematic about it. So then I realised that if I was going to ref- you know be able to sort of refer back to something out of what I was typing, I was going to have to put dates on it, and I didn't want to have it all dated and and with Thursday and Friday written on and everything. So what I did was I, each of the exercise books, when I would get it out of the crate, I'd go through it and number its pages 
and then in my you know in my manuscript I was creating on, on, on the computer I would um, say you know green notebook dates so you know it's, it's number, and, and then it would be green notebook page one to four or something like that though that was just a primitive way of organizing it. Mechanical, indexing system. indexing thank you that's yeah. the word I was going for and yeah. so what so you didn't from the beginning you didn't want the entries to be dated no there's only there's only years mm-hmm. and I, I thought because well, I, I thought about diaries that I had read in my life, which is not all that huge amount, but um, I realised that I very rarely would look at the dates or care what the dates were. I, I might look at, I'd like to know what year it was, just to place it sort of in history. But um, I, um, yeah, I don't know why. I, see, because that, the more I worked on it, it was quite painful, actually, uh, and it was very... Painful as in tedium or painful as in emotional labour? Oh, both. Um, No, the actual, you know, it was... Look, transcribing is so much easier than writing. Right. (laughs) And so so sometimes, you know, I'd go in there and I'd just rattle away and... and, uh, um, But then sometimes I'd... Sometimes I'd laugh out loud. That was nice. (laughs) But then other times I'd think, did I really do that? Was I really that high-handed and did I really break that bloke's heart in this primitive way? And, you know, a lot of my diaries that I burnt were about everybody breaking my heart, I'm just suddenly thinking. And then when I got to do, you know, when I was working on these ones, I just saw how awful I'd been in many situations where I would have once just seen myself as a victim. And That's uh, really interesting. Yeah, and it's awful. I mean, you just sit there in a sweat of shame and yet you don't have the the flip side of that to compare it to anymore. You don't get to see how you felt having had that done to you. So you don't it's hard then to develop empathy for yourself in the sense that you were in a stage of your life where you needed to do that maybe. Yeah. Yeah, well because the other thing I discovered I mean any any fool would know that this was the case with diaries that you don't what you don't get in a diary is a voiceover. You can't excuse yourself. You can't say, well, okay, I did this awful thing. I behaved really badly, but that was back in 1979 and I would never do a thing like that now. You, you can't gloss it up or or um, find excuses for yourself. I mean, you can't put it... I decided that I would not... Um, I would cut and I would fill it, but I would not rewrite. And uh, that at times was very hard to stick to because... I had such a terrific urge to make myself look better and and think, gosh, people read this, I think, what a bitch. And, uh, but I, I just kind of applied force to myself in this regard. That um, editing of oneself or amending things that are said or done, is that something you would do as you wrote the diary? Well, I tried not to, see. Mm. I mean... The point of a diary, as far as I'm concerned, and I, I think everybody has their own personal reason for writing a diary, but the point of mine is to um, to try really hard to to say the truth uh, as I saw it at that at, at that moment, and and not to kind of gloss over my own part in whatever catastrophe I was recording. Um, and that's the difference. 
between a diary and a memoir, or it's one of many differences between diaries and memoirs, is that you there's the stuff. It's sitting there. It's this crude. It's like the it's like the fingerprints, and it's like an evidence in a trial. You, it's the you can't conceal. I mean, if you're doing, if you're publishing a diary, you might as well make that deal with yourself at the beginning. Okay, if, even if I look awful, I'm going to put this in, and because um, otherwise, you know, what's the point? You know, you could write this glossy, you could write a glossy memoir and and um, make yourself look, say, well, of course, when I did that, I was still suffering the traumas of childhood, <laughs> or yeah. you know what I so mean? So you yeah. prefer this process to. You wouldn't write a memoir. No, I wouldn't write a memoir. No. That doesn't appeal to you. Um, it's very that, interesting. That um, acute observation um, that you've developed over such a long time, that's now um, intrinsic to your writing. Do you think the diary has um, been a, a kind of gymnasium of the mind or of the pen where <laughs> <laughs> you've sort of built that up over time? Would you would it would it have ebbed away if you ever gave up diarising every day? Well, firstly, I can't imagine giving up, and because it's now such a, a deeply ingrained habit that sometimes I have to do it in order to go to sleep at night, you know, just to calm down after whatever's been happening in the day. But but I do think that di- diary writing a diary is uh, it's a form of practice. It's when I read, you know, the famous Malcolm Gladwell thing about how anybody that's any good at anything has to have done ten thousand hours of it, whatever it is. I think he's often talking about sports people, but um, I thought I've done my ten thousand, and and I know how to put a sentence together, and that's how I learnt it. I mean, I learnt it at school, but I practiced it for you know fifty years or something of doing it every day, and I don't really just um, scribble things down. I try and write. Um, well, in the form that's in the diary that you've seen. I mean, it's inc- it's coherent. <laughs> well, I work yeah, on it, good. you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I work on it to make it good. You know, I don't... Um, uh, yeah, well, the funny thing is reading along through a diary, you come across accounts of what you did on a day that were really dull, like, you know, I went downtown and bought myself a new wind cheater or uh, I had to take those shoes back or or I went and bought this or that or I delivered something or I went for a bike ride and you think ho-hum. And then then suddenly you'll come across a sentence that has got something going for it. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that was really fun. I mean, when I was reading the diaries, I'd... Sometimes I'd be quite bored for a, for a couple of pages, and I think, oh, shit, this is so dull. Nobody will want to read this. And then I'll turn over and find just some little sentence about something that I'd completely forgotten, and suddenly there it is. And I think, hey, you know, I actually was working when I was writing this down, mm. and that that was quite um, pleasing, actually. Absolutely, I get the impression that because it is a diary, you're sort of showing you're working in a way that you don't when you write. Um, a polished complete finished book um, in the sense that not in the sense that you are showing your scribblings out but are showing your emotional anxiety about writing in the first place yeah like constantly threaded throughout this is your own angst about what what am I doing this what's the point of this I'm an idiot I no one cares about me was that 
do you feel like you've transcended that on any level? And, you know, and if not, I can't imagine you have. Perhaps no, <laughs> human, no, human I, beings don't. No, but, they don't. Uh, did, was it hard to read? Yeah, it was awful. I mean, sometimes, you know, really, I, I've got the, I rent this little office. I don't work at home. And I, um, I've got a little office and in the corner I've got this sort of mat and I have a little nap after lunch every day when I'm working there. But but sometimes I just have to go and get out the mat and lie on it and howl because I just was so sort of disgusted by myself and um, and ashamed and struck by my own um, weirdness, I suppose. The other thing about a diary reading it over and over many years is... You see your habits, your emotional habits become very clear to you. And it, it's, I mean, the way I express this is I would see myself time and time again sort of frolicking towards a cliff and raving about love or whatever it was and then just going straight off the edge and I, again and again. I mean, first I just, this made me laugh and then after a while I thought, this is sick, it's pathological. But I thought, well, I'm, I know that just because I've been around a long time and I know what my friends go through, I, I know that it's not just me. It's just the pathology of people repeating, repeating their own habits even though... They know that they're going to end up sort of all over, the, yeah. all over the concrete at the bottom, <laughs> but somehow you're driven to to repeat things. Do you feel compassion for your younger self? Oh, that's interesting. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, suppose so. I suppose so. But I, I saw my, you know, I saw my sort of primness and my, my sort of purity botanical nature was on display rather more often than I would have li- <laughs> liked it to be and but but you know it seemed weird to me that I I um would be a, a, both a puritan and and a complete slack mole at the same time <laughs> that was you're so much harsher about yourself my experience of reading it is not at all you it's like you seeing yourself in the mirror it feels to me talking to you about this you're describing the person you see in the mirror and we read a different, I don't know your experience, Ben, but my, I did not have the experience of reading this annoying, nebbish. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like you've got this well, uh, I guess vision you're looking of your, for the patterns, Helen. You're looking yeah. for, you have the scrutiny, whereas uh, for us it's an it's a adventure in discovery. Mm. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I suppose so. But um, actually, but that's another thing um, that... Uh, when I, I was speaking to a friend of mine, um, that was Kate Grenville actually, and we were just sitting around in a bar and talking about this and that, and she said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I've, I'm, d- I'm going to publish my diary. And she just looked at me with this complete look of horror <laughs> on her face. And I, I saw it and I thought, oh, no, I can't go on with this. You know, if Kate thinks this is really bad or a bad thing to do. And she said, I said, oh, don't you think I should do it? And she said, well... I think you've just got a very different idea about privacy from the one I've got. And I just went down a gurgler. I thought, oh, God, maybe I'm doing something really, really terrible. And, and, I, and I started stammering out my... Um, I was saying, oh, well, it's not... You know, I'm not dishing the dirt and it's not really all that kind of um, personal. And it's... Um, 
I, I'm just, I'm, I'm burning it, boiling it right down to sort of chunks and it's just like chunks of life. I kept saying fragments there and she's going, yeah, right, okay, and looking at me doubtfully. And fortunately, in order to show uh, one of the people who's mentioned in the diary, I thought that I should let him know it was coming and so I took a photo of a couple of half pages and, on my phone and sent them to him and he was okay with it. But they was, I remembered they were still on the phone. So I thought, oh, oh, I'll show her one of these. And so I showed her one. I said, look, this is what it's like. And she looked at it, she read them, and she sort of, I could see her face sort of brighten. And she said, oh, oh, that's all right. She said, oh, that's okay. Because these are situations that anyone might find themselves in. I'm like, yes. That, that's what I was hoping because I, I thought, the other thing that this sort of extends from your question before about, how it feels to look at this stuff. One thing that, as I worked on it, and as the time went on and I'd worked longer and longer, and I've been going on it for about 18 months or so, I noticed this, um, So I, I stopped feeling so uh, down on myself. I, I thought, uh, I, and, and you know, as I was going about my business, outside my office people would be telling me the stories of things that were happening in their life or things stupid things they'd done or I'd read you know another five books and see another five movies and and it gradually dawned on me that everybody is full of all these awful things everybody does awful things and hurts other people and and rampages through other people's lives and I started seeing that that you know they're sort of awful adventures and horror shows that I thought I was Record, had recorded were actually not all that different from everyone else's lives. So, and, and then I had this wonderful feeling of sort of comradeliness with the human race. I felt really, um, I thought, oh, we're all in this shit together. And I felt that made me feel really happy and relieved. And, and I'm still feeling that now, even though the book's about to come out and I'm a bit anxious about it. I, I do actually feel a great sense of... Um, of just being a member of the human race. That's terrific. Well, I hope it's true. I, I, it's <laughs> definitely my experience of reading it. Uh, it felt very universal, despite its specificity, I think. Oh, thanks. I'm terribly pleased to hear that because I... Um, yeah, I suppose everybody thinks they're unique and, and, and if you're the sort of person I am, which is a sort of puritanical, prim person... You, you know, you're down on yourself in this awful way all the time and then, I don't know, something about when people tell you what they really think or what they've really done or what they're really ashamed of and you, you always, it's not always, I mean, it's never as bad as they, as they think it is unless they've killed somebody, I suppose, but even that could be excused in some circumstances. Mm. But... Uh, yeah, so that, that was the best part of doing this, was thinking, um, you know, that I belong to some huge um, family or that there's, you know, people might see it that way. I think, I think that's the experience of a lot of writers have all the time. You know, when they write something they think is really specific and then they, even just reading it back makes you realise, oh, actually... I've talked to friends of mine and they've had that experience yeah. and I thought I was being really yeah. unique. But that's, yeah. And I, to me, that's the pleasure of reading. And you have this vision into someone's mind, um, even if it's fiction. Yeah. 
and you realise you're not alone, that yeah. someone else has had that thought. Yeah. Even if it's a thought they've had on behalf of a character. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, it's a relief, isn't it? Because mm. everybody, well, people get lonely, I think, in their own thoughts and their own shame particularly and the sense of having hurt people, I suppose. That, we'll see, I mean, when you get older, you do look back and see a lot of wreckage behind you and... Yeah, but it's interesting. I like to hear about other people's wreckage too and their sense of you know, how how responsible they were for it. I do like to hear that people take responsibility. Mm. And it always makes you feel good when someone else has made a terrible hash of their lives. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that awful? <laughs> yeah. And it's not even schadenfreude. It's really just, oh, it's... It's not just me, yeah. and, and I'm yeah. not in this on my own. And I feel I feel the same way around the anxieties of writing. You know, to see to see you compare yourselves to your peers. Um, you know, even after you'd achieved so much, you had recognition and you had success. Um, you were still so down on yourself. Um, you. <laughs> I, I kind of collected some of the <laughs> nasty things you say about yourself. Um, Go on, hit me with them. <laughs> um, what, one that stood out the most is um, you said, I know I'll never write anything that could be called great, greats in um, inverted commas. I suppose for that you'll have to have a big idea. All my ideas are small and the best I can do is cobble them together. Is the cobbling of observation could that kind of be your big idea um (laughs) i've heard you speak about the idea of the interconnectedness of your work and and scholars of your work have done the same thing they said the um the journalism the fiction it all um builds up into this interconnected idea of helen um i guess like the body of work of a visual artist or a musician um could cobbling be your superpower? <laughs> I love that idea. That's a wonderful thought. Well, see, the thing is, in my in my generation, see, I'm nearly seventy-seven, and in my generation, well, when I was young, um, write, writing in Australia was so different from how it is now that you can hardly imagine what it was like. I mean, I I never, I didn't know, okay, I went to uni and I did an arts degree. I did arts and English and French. And so I had all sorts of ideas about what literature was and I loved it and all I was interested in was reading and I... I, You read some fabulous books over these years. (laughs) I did, yeah. (laughs) But I, um, I you know, I thought that... uh, all the great writers of, of the world were somewhere else, not here, and that anyway they were all men, and uh, and and I, I I didn't really know. I knew that writing was about the only thing I knew how to do. I mean, I could do in the sense that I could put a sentence together and it made sense, or people might want to read it. But it never occurred to me that I would be um, a novelist because, you know, I read about a million novels, but I had 
um, no idea how, how you put them together. And, and I didn't think that, uh, and I thought you had to make everything up. So this probably connects to your question. Mm. I thought uh, that's what I meant by a big idea. Um, you had to think something up and invent it and everything was invented and you couldn't write about things, uh, you know, the people you knew or about yourself, uh, that that was sort of boring and nobody would want to read it. And so I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't really imagine that I would ever write anything that would be publishable. And... Uh, but, but uh, when I lived the story that became Monkey Grip, I uh, was keeping, you know, I was keeping a diary then, as I always did, and and I, I thought that I, I realised after a while that I was involved in a in a situation that is being uh, in love with a bloke who was an addict, that maybe there was a story there, or maybe. There would be a shape to it, and it, and I thought maybe I could write a book about that, and maybe I can use what I've already written because I was keeping these copious diaries all the time, and so I sat down and I did exactly the same, um, in a sense, as I did in that process I just described a moment ago, transcribing the diaries for this book. I, I just would take a couple of uh, exercise books down to the State Library and, I, in, 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 and I'd have them there and I'd just transcribe by hand the bits that seemed to be about this relationship and, and my life as it was going. And, and I just gradually um, sort of it came around and turned itself into something. I, so I guess that was a form of cobbling because I was chucking out a lot of stuff and um, trying to find a way to knit these bits together and uh, I've got lost now in answering this your question but it's a very interesting question. Thanks. <laughs> it was a very interesting answer. <laughs> I think you answered it very well. I do think that probably is your superpower, among many others. But <laughs> no, I, I, I'd be glad to, to think that cobbling was my superpower because uh, it's really amazing to me how whatever it is that I'm writing, even if it's just a, a review or some little essay or something, um, what you get, or even one of those big books like that, this house of grief, which involved huge amounts of quietly sitting there and witnessing something and, and interviewing people and reading transcripts and the whole thing went on for seven years, which I thought I would n never get to the end of. So in every case of anything I want to write about, there's this, this mess. There's a mess of pieces there. And uh, <clears throat> the job in, in writing is really to locate among those pieces what what links them together and it may not be at all obvious and you, you may not know what it is until I may not, I don't know how anyone else does this, but it's it seems that there's a lot of small pieces on the table spread out and you don't know which, I don't know which one to start with. I don't know where is the end of the thread. I feel that there is a thread in there somewhere, but I can't see where it is. And so I pick up one piece and I thought, I'll start here. And I start there and I think, oh yeah, this is it. And I'm, I write a paragraph and it dies. So I think, well, that wasn't the thread. I'll go back and see if I can see another thread. And so I pick up another thread 
and I sort of start the story from there. And eventually I might find I've written a paragraph that's sort of got a ring to it or a tone and I think, ah, this, this is going to work if I follow this. I heard David Malouf said this once. He said when he wrote a book, he would have, um, when he found the, the tone that he wanted in the book, uh, he would put that paragraph aside and he would use it like a tuning fork. He said, whenever I feel that I'm losing what I'm doing, I'd go back and I'd hit it against that one. And if it's still tuned, if it was still the same sound, I'd know I was still on the track. And I thought that was a really beautiful image mm. for it. You, you, so you, you think you've found the right end of thread or whatever it is that image you've used, but and sometimes you follow it and it just peters out, or sometimes it goes somewhere dark and you don't know if you can follow it there without freaking out. Or mm. um, so there's a lot of false starts, but uh, eventually. Eventually, you, um, it's, often a, it's often got a lot to do with tone, I think, in, in just the way that David's image was, that I, uh, you're, you're writing along and you think, yeah, this is good, I'm on it, I'm on it. And then you write a sentence and, you've, and it rings false and you think, oh, I'm off the track, I've lost the thread. And you have to just go back and maybe you have to go home for the day and wait till tomorrow and come back and try again. But all those pieces... Among all those pieces that are on the table, there is what you need. And you've just got to pick your way among them until you find what those bits are. Is that a mixed metaphor? Not at all. I, like I think it. that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still record your dreams? Yeah. What have you been dreaming about lately? It's a very personal question. <laughs> oh, that's all right. <laughs> um, well... What have I dreamt lately? I have to go get the diary. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I haven't, um, haven't. I used to, when I was, I used to go to this Jungian therapist and when, when I was going to him, I used to have these enormous dreams that went on for three, four pages. And I look back and I'm like, I think, did I really dream that or did I make it up while I was, you know, you start writing it down or I was in a deep forest and then, and it, uh, apparently people who go to Jungian Therapists tend to have Jungian dreams. And Conveniently. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I've had a few anxious dreams lately that have been about um, killing things or uh, sort of guilt and anxiety dreams about publishing the, the diary, you know, anxious that people will be mad at me or um, hurt by something I've written or feel that I've taken them lightly or that I haven't put them in the book, which some people might be annoyed about. A minefield. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I would like to keep asking you questions all afternoon, but um, unfortunately, we do need to <laughs> stick to our rough timeline. And um, I just wanted to thank you so much for coming and joining us. It was a fascinating read, and I would urge anybody to go out and have a read of this, even if you've never read anything of Helen's. I think. It, I think it's actually a great starting point. You'll get a lot. You'll get a lot out of tone that you'll understand what she's what she's on about. I think, um, and it's beautifully written um, and fascinating. So thanks for joining us. It's been a really interesting Thank you. conversation. Thanks. Yeah, it has. I've loved it.
Because um, you asked me some curly ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's a nice compliment. Thank you, yes. Um, and you can buy Helen Garner's new book, Yellow Notebook, uh, at Booktopia. Thanks for listening to the Booktopia podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if your eyeballs need a workout, check us out on YouTube at Booktopia TV. And don't forget for all books featured on this episode and all episodes of the Booktopia podcast, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at www.booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening.